Hello and welcome to Culture Sex Relationships with me, Justin Hancock. Uh, I'm back with an advice episode. Thank you so much to everyone who sent in their questions and ideas for future topics for the show as a result of last week's episode. I'm really grateful. If you too want to send in your questions either for me to answer or topics for me to talk about, there's a link in the show notes where you can find a Google form where you can send in your questions. Um, so today's question is about uh, feelings of disgust in sexual contexts. I don't think that there are any trigger warnings um, for this, but if I end up do saying something that I think might be triggering, I'll go back and re-record something at the beginning. Um, so I'll read out the question first and then I'll try and give some answers. So, hi Justin. My question is about changing feelings of disgust in sexual contexts. My sense of disgust can change rapidly depending on the context. For example, most of the time I really don't like kissing. Even the idea is repelling to me. But at other times, particularly during sex, I think kissing is great and it really enhances my sexual pleasure. Luckily, my partner is really understanding and we've talked about it, but I still sometimes feel wrong, strange, difficult. I also sometimes feel repelled by my partner's genitals. I'm finding it really hard to reconcile that I love this person wholeheartedly and feel very close to them, body and person, but then at the same same time, sometimes feel repelled. I also definitely don't want to lick any bits, but really enjoy being licked. This makes me feel bad because feels like I'm just taking but not giving. Any advice? Thanks, M. So, I do have some advice, but first of all, um, thank you for trusting me enough to give you a good answer to this question, which I hope that I'll do. Um, sounds really difficult. Sounds like you're having a really tricky time with stuff. Hopefully, uh, I think what I'm about to say might give you a sense of relief about some of this stuff. Uh, make might make you feel like some of this is more okay than you perhaps think it is at the moment but I've also got some advice about what might actually improve things and what you might be able to do to improve things I'm going to give you some solution focused uh, kind of advice at the end the first thing to say is look it's okay it's just okay okay all of this is okay Um, we shouldn't have to feel like we have to be or embody or enact or perform any kind of sexuality it, it and this idea of a normal or okay or expected sexuality obviously puts so much pressure on us it makes us think that we're not normal okay or fine and you are you just are okay um again we just have these very very strong set of scripts telling us that certain sexual activities are normal and that we should do them and that we should all enjoy them and that it's kind of part of what is normal but actually the messages we receive about what is normal and what sex involves only pertains to a very 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 small number of sexual activities like really very very small and only ever done in kind of certain configurations okay so the whole story of what sex is um creates these very uh, uh very narrow ideas of what is normal means and these codes mean that we end up disciplining ourselves and feeling bad about ourselves and monitoring ourselves and that in and of itself is the thing that we really struggle with it's not necessarily the thing but it's the codes and the rules and the as uh, the stories about the thing that are making us feel bad okay um but also some of the things that we're told are completely normal 
uh, and completely normal part of sexuality are deeply weird when we think about them. Um, so, for example, kissing. And I think I got this from one or two podcasts, either uh, Acid Horizon or Machinic Unconscious Happy Hour, uh, two really interesting theory podcasts. And they were talking about Freud's theories on sexualities and um, his essays on sexuality. And they were explaining polymorphous perversity. Polymorphous perversity is the the very basic understanding of this is that any part of our body can feel a sense of pleasure or what Freud would call a perverse pleasure like any part of our body can feel this okay and that as children well the Freudian understanding of this is and you might know I'm not a huge Freud fan but anyway the Freudian understanding of this is that as children we experience this we have this possibility of experiencing this intense pleasure throughout our bodies you know so for example being tickled for example um running and chasing each other and all the all the pleasures that we experience through play we experience that and then as we go through adolescence we start to understand that there is a more mature sexuality which is less polymorphous i.e only only focused in certain areas and that that is what mature sexuality is i've massively massively oversimplified that but in this podcast they were saying look it's interesting that kissing has become such an integral part of the sexual script like what it is we're supposed to do it's almost as if all sexual contact all sexual uh experiences sexual events begin with snogging and you know tongues in mouth snogging as well so tasting each other's mouths and licking each other's tongues and licking each other's sorry if this is sounding repellent to you dear listener that i'm describing it but it's quite strange and you know the point that we're making in the podcast is that you know we're making direct contact with each other's um esophaguses really with with each other's like uh you know intestinal tracts <laughs> you know it's uh you know it's it's strange there's nothing necessarily sexual about it there's certainly nothing reproductive about it it's not like a penis going in a vagina right it's not even like um the things that are sometimes turned as foreplay where the uh where the penis is made harder i mean sometimes okay yes people's penises and vaginas can be made more aroused but through the act of kissing but it seems to be quite strange that it's something which is so far removed from the penis and vagina that is meant to be this integral part of what is supposed to be sex, penis and vagina sex, which I'm using all sorts of air quotes around that. So when you think about it, it's weird. It's a strange thing that we'll that that we're told that this thing is sexy, where it has very little to do with any like sexual parts of our bodies. Um, so on the one hand, it could be weird. Uh, and that's fine. Uh, I guess what you've kind of understood so far, and we'll come back to this later, is that sometimes it's weird and sometimes it's not weird. Okay, And the thing that makes it not weird is the sex part. And this is the thing you've said in your question. So if I just say, you know, kissing is uh, when... Uh, two people put their lips uh, put one set their set of lips on another person's set of lips and they might open their mouths to lick each other's tongues and inside of their mouths that does sound weird but if i'm describing a snog i'd be 
describing something very different that might not just involve their lips and their tongues and what's happening with their mouths and you know what they've just been eating and what they might be taste of and things like that it actually involves you know as i talk about on the show the body without without organs there's a really great academic paper written um by uh Actually, well, as I said, I'm doing a PhD uh, by my PhD supervisor, <laughs> Pam Aldred and Nick J. Fox, uh, called um, uh, Desire uh, Sexualities in the Assemblage, I think. I referred to it in last week's episode. Anyway, in that paper, uh, her and Nick talk about the kissing assemblage. So there's a, an awful lot going on when we're kissing, actually. So it's not just our lips and the biological functions of kissing, it's the noises that we might make, the things that we might notice, uh, seeing somebody's face really close up, uh, hearing what they might say, but also our pre- previous experiences of kissing, what we might think of that person, the context, you know, where we are, um, the material things around us, like the bed, privacy, closed door, or the thrill of being seen by somebody else, the geography of where we might be, what is going on in our relationship what has been happening in our relationship just before that uh, the gendered codes of how it is that we're supposed to do uh, kissing and the possibilities of different parts of our body feeling different things and all of these then pro- might produce this idea of what we know as being putting our bodies into a, a sexual state uh, and that might make the kiss feel even more acceptable even more enjoyable so you know there's an awful lot of things that go on when we kiss um so it's not just about these very biomechanical kinds of um uh, descriptions of what a kiss is uh, but i'm going to come back to this a little bit later when i give you some uh, more advice towards the end the other thing about this and you know just the general vibe of what i'm getting the, the themes that are coming up in your question is that there are different kinds of discrepancies going on so sometimes you enjoy kissing sometimes you really don't sometimes you find the idea really repellent uh, and you really don't like the idea of um, licking somebody else you sometimes find your partner's genitals uh, repelling to you or disgusting again I'm just going to get onto that later about what disgust means Um, but this is all to do with a discrepancy and so where there's a difference between what you both seem to want from sex and discrepancies are normal like discrepancies are more normal than not if you think about uh, if you think about all of the occasions where we might want sex all the different kinds of sex we might want how we're feeling uh, every time we may or may not want sex what's going on for us in the rest of our lives what else has been happening that day how we feel about our partner there are all kinds of variables at play with different kinds of sex and some of us may have had different experiences with certain particular sexual activities or certain body parts that might just really put us off so for some people you know are really into feet for other people the idea of feet repels them you know it's just there are many many and we could say that for any part of our bodies okay genitals shoulders elbows but also we could say that about 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 things that aren't to do with our bodies as well so uh, uh other smells or sounds uh, in a room you know uh, a bright light can be really repelling um the idea of doing it in public can really turn some people off um, the idea of doing it in private might not really do it for some people um 
you know the idea of uh you know bringing in safer sex and thinking about safer sex practices and some and how people feel about condoms or people feel about using methods of different forms of barriers for example um you know there are lots of things that play that can that can produce a discrepancy okay and it's not just in the body and so when we understand that discrepancy is normal and that we all like different things at different times different places different contexts different scenarios then we really could start to understand that navigating sex and talking about what it is that we do and want is about really trying to find some of these win-wins trying to find some of these some of these things that are really good for both of us where and where it isn't kind of one person receiving some happiness at the expense of somebody else's unhappiness or as i've been saying lately on the podcast one person experiencing a sense of joy whilst the other person experiences a sense of sadness which spinoza would say is just sadness what we want is a kind of a win-win a spinozan joy where one person's joy is being equally felt by another and it's being co-produced and if, and if in actual fact that joy leaves the potential for understanding that we are not a self and an object that we are not a subject and an other that in fact we are this kind of conjoined affective flow of lots of lovely things and you might have experienced that when you had a snog where you felt this sense of enhanced sexual pleasure where it felt really really good where there is a kind of dissolving of whose pleasure is this okay and that this might lead to something else so all of the conversations that we have around sex are to do with or often to do with navigating discrepancy and i think as i've said in, in um in uh, other podcasts as well it's also where this is where we bring in the idea of fantasy as well like fantasy can be really really useful in helping us to navigate a discrepancy helping us to figure out that one thing in one context might not be that hot but in a slightly different context it would be hotter or with a different kind of thought or set of stories or a different set of understandings of what might be at play a different kind of story for for what might be happening at that time with our partner um, might make one thing not very hot and turn that into something quite hot now there's an awful lot of advice in our book that Meg John and I wrote, uh, A Practical Guide to Sex. I've actually done, uh, I've pretty much read most of that out on the Patreon now, if not all of it. I think I've maybe read all of it out now on the Patreon. Uh, so if you want to find, if you want to go to the Patreon and find that episode, do or buy the book. It's available very, very cheaply. I think you can get it for three ninety nine on Kindle now, A Practical Guide to Sex. There's a link in the bio and you can get it from megjohnandjustin.com forward slash publications um but you could also think about the different ways of doing sex and so there are different kinds of sex so there are some kinds of sex where it's really mutual where the actual things that you're doing are kind of happening with and to each other for example kissing where the act of kissing is a mutually co-constituted thing you're both doing it you can't kiss by yourself i mean you can kiss your hand but you know you need another person to do kissing and so that is this kind of simultaneous act where um both there is no doer and done to but you're both doing and doing to each other i suppose in different ways and there's kind of little micro processes of doing and done to during kissing i suppose but for the most part it's this simultaneous activity you might want more of that kind of thing where there is 
that kind of mutuality of it being generated, being co-created, or you might want less of it. You might prefer move to to move towards things where it is more doing and being done to, where particular activities are kind of more separated out. I know that for a lot of people, kissing for any length of time or for some length of time can be a bit too overwhelm a bit too overwhelming, a be a bit much, just because there's so much going on. You know, it's like you're close up to a partner, you can hear them, you can smell them, you can taste them, uh, and you can feel the sensations all over your mouth. And for some people, that can just be a bit too much. And also just being up front and that close to somebody can be a bit much. So there might be other things like uh, masturbation, uh, oral sex, or uh, forms of dry humping, though dry humping is more of a kind of simultaneous kind of activity as well, um, that might kind of make different forms of sexual activity kind of different and also other people you know bring in kink and power dynamics as well which can take one activity and completely transform it uh, into something else or that you might be able to bring in find different ways of eroticizing an activity that might make it feel um, something else but also it's completely fine as i've been saying so far to completely leave some activities just completely off the table there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of forms of different sexual activities, just hundreds, and they can all be done in various different kinds of ways. Okay, there's plenty more about this in the book, and I'll, um, I've got some, uh, we've, uh, I've written some stuff at Bish about this as well, different forms of sexual activity. I'll put a link in the, in the show notes to that as well. Side note, I don't really believe I'm not really one for thinking. I. I'm trying to explain giver and giving and taker and like, what did you use in the, so, yeah, so you say uh, you feel bad because um, with licking, uh, like genital licking, I think, or any kind of licking, or all, let's say, um, you feel bad because you feel like you're just taking but not giving. And I don't, I mean, that's I don't want to... Uh, misuse your words against you or anything and if you want to continue with using those kinds of descriptors you go for it if that makes sense but the 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 idea of being a giver and a taker kind of implies that um that it's only one person who's experiencing pleasure Uh, and then it can only ever be the person for example being licked who's experiencing pleasure and actually that's not how pleasure works is it really when we think about it so for example you know if if the only if the only pleasure that someone experienced was that of the person being touched then why is it for example i enjoy touching my girlfriend's boobs (laughs) you know why do i enjoy that you know just as much as she does or in different ways the uh, to, to how she does but still both experiencing it as pleasurable but I'm experiencing I'm experiencing that as pleasurable not because she's enjoying it even though she is enjoying it but because I enjoy it too okay um so there is this kind of like uh I think there's much more activity going on for the person who is being the given than giver than is assumed and so all I'm saying here is it's also okay to be somebody who just receives okay because your partner might not just be doing it because um they want to do a nice thing for you and to give this thing to you which might be good in and of itself but they might also be finding it really hot (laughs) they they might be finding it super sexy you know um 
And so that might be kind of worth thinking about. And there are also ways to make that feel even more sexy as well. And again, you could bring in uh, fantasy stories, scenarios, uh, power, uh, you, you know, sexy power dynamics that you both feel comfortable with, elements of kink, um, anything that can make that feel, you can do things that might make that feel sexier. And, you know, the, the useful thing about thinking about fantasy and creativity and um putting ourselves in kind of different kind of scenarios is uh, that it helps to smooth over things like this. It helps to smooth over what uh, psychoanalysis Jacques Lacan calls a sexual non-relation, which is the difficulty of, um, massively oversimplifying this, but the difficulty of the subject and object giving each other, meeting their desires of the other. Uh, and so, not that I really believe in the subject and object, I'm like a Deleuze and to Lozogatarian, so I don't believe that there are subjects and objects, but I'll come on to that another time probably. But fantasy can be really useful there at smoothing things over, and I think I got that idea from Slavoj Žižek in his book about Lacan, uh, that idea that fantasy smooths over these kind of ruptures that we get. And so think of fantasy as being a useful thing that might really help you there. Um, and again, we've also got a zine about fantasies and how we might make use of erotic fantasies. You can find the link in our description at megjohnandjustin.com forward slash publications. Um, so yeah, think about different ways of doing things, uh, the different kinds of sex and how we might navigate discrepancy. But also I think it's really useful just to think about what disgust is. Uh, and how consciousness works and I've been saying this a lot lately because I've been reading the work of this uh, neurobiologist called um, Antonio Damasio and he has a really interesting theory of consciousness which is a materialist theory uh, which is kind of based on well it's based on his studies based on how he's on uh, actual experimental uh, empirical work but also uh, the theory behind it for him is to do with Spinoza, who I keep talking about. Spinoza is this um, was this seventeenth-century philosopher who came up with this idea of affect, so that our bodies are affected by things, and that every physical response is also an emotional response, and every emotional response is also a physical response. Basically, it's like the body matters, okay, and matter matters, and that we're all made out of matter we're all that made out of the same matter so we are is the idea that the term is monists so we're all made out of the same matter there is no difference between consciousness and the body okay consciousness is the body so it's an embodied way it's it's a way of it's a way of thinking about the body that is about the body and it's understanding that consciousness comes from the body but also it comes from but nothing exists outside of our body's relations to everyone else and everything else around us okay so i'll explain it in i'll hopefully explain this nicely now so what antonio damasio says this neurobiologist he says look this is what consciousness is our bodies are always being affected by something in the external world okay and we always feel we, we, so we experience feelings and feelings are different from emotions like think of emotions as being more kind of uh top level feelings like the kinds of emotions that we've talked about on the podcast or that i've written about at bish so the feeling of uh sadness happiness lightness uh, uh anger 
shame, uh, all those kinds of top level feelings. They're more emotions than feelings. A feeling is more like uh, the, how the body is affected, kind of these early stage first first tinglings of understanding that your body is experiencing something. So, for example, hunger, thirst, fright, or disgust, something just kind of yucking you out. Um, a useful way of understanding this is um, when baby infants are given um, a uh, a sweet solution to you know on a little teaspoon they're given like a little kind of syrup and it tastes sweet their face expresses that of like delight you know they have a smile they kind of grin you know yum yum right and so we might say to that baby oh uh, you like that don't you and then over time they'll develop this kind of understanding of that sweetness being something enjoyable to them and they'll gain a, a level of consciousness about that being enjoyable and that's what enjoyment means but if they're given a bitter solution then their face will look disgusted it'll be like you know they have an external sign uh, and we might say oh you didn't like that kind of thing and then they would understand that that was something that they didn't like and 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 so that's how consciousness happens basically we get these little feelings we eventually understand what that feeling means another person might be able to read that feeling on our face and then to understand that that feeling is happening for us and then they become conscious of it which helps us to become more conscious of it and thereby we have a consciousness we have a raised consciousness of what disgust is we feel disgusted okay is this making sense so there are no like innate feelings it's just that we experience these things and then they become they emerge as feelings and then they might emerge as emotions as well later on when we understand more clearly what these are and what they might mean so this is really really useful to know okay because that's how that's how it's generated okay and it does mean that i think that we might not be able to become unconscious of disgust, but we might be able to become maybe a bit less conscious of disgust. Or, crucially, we might be able to become more conscious of other things. Okay, What is the opposite of disgust? Or what is it that you're feeling when you're not feeling disgust? Okay, And you've kind of given um, some really useful, uh, a really useful description of this in your question which is really great because you say you know, obviously the focus of your question is on the problem and that's what i ask people to do i don't want people to write in saying you know uh, my sex life is great well can you give me some advice about this i mean actually if you do want to do that feel free i can i would like to talk about that actually but um you know this is this is an advice column this is an advice podcast so obviously i'm wanting people to tell me a bit about their problems uh, but it's interesting that even in your question, there is the answer here, because the thing to look for, and this is where we're getting on to solution focused practice now. So this is the thing um, that I'm really that I've been trained in recently. And when I run uh, when I do coaching sessions on a one to one basis or with couples, I've started to use a more solution focused uh, technique because it's incredibly useful. 
Um, it's incredibly effective and it's incredibly brief, which is bad for me because it means I'm never going to earn any money from doing this. But <laughs> uh, but also I feel like um, it will be wrong for me to use any other kind of um, method because it's just so effective. And so the thing with solution-focused therapy or solution-focused practice or coaching, which is what I do, is to look for exceptions. And there are exceptions here in your question. So you say, my sense of disgust can change rapidly depending on the context. Right, that's an interesting thing to hold on to that I'll come back to in a second. For example, most of the time, I really don't like kissing. Most of the time. So let's say you kiss seven times, six out of seven times, you really don't enjoy kissing. What's happening on the seventh time? What's happening on the time where you really do enjoy it? What feelings are emerging for you when you are enjoying kissing okay the and you say but at other times particularly during sex i think kissing is great and it really enhances my sexual pleasure okay so here's an activity for you to do uh, dear listener but this could be uh, the person who wrote in but could also be anyone go back to the time when you last really really enjoyed kissing like during sex and really slow it down and really, really replay it in your head. Try to really bring it to mind, okay? What was going on? So before you start a kissing, even, so get to the bit, start 10 minutes before you start a kissing. What were you doing? What was your, how was your partner responding to you? How did you respond to them? What might you have said? What might they have said back to you? What kind of feelings were emerging for you? Can you name them or can you locate them in your body? Could Did you notice any changes in your body? There any the briefest sign that you might be about to really enjoy kissing? Did you notice any sensations, any tingling? What was happening in your shoulders? Do a body scan. What was happening from your feet, through your ankles, through your calves, through your legs, through your hips and waist, bum, tummy, chest shoulders uh, back uh, head neck uh, go through your senses can you remember anything any uh, any uh, any senses that were happening in your body that were feeling really good what was happening in the room what was happening in the environment you were in what was the vibe like what was the vibe that you were creating vibe isn't just a thing that is there or not vibe is something that we are vibe is is a a construction of microprocessors of making making the environment feel nice making it feel like a nice situation so what have you been doing how how what was different about the vibe then what were you doing to make that vibe happen and then as you started to kiss as this kiss began to emerge how did you know that it was feeling good what what could you tell what was telling you that it was feeling good? What could tell you that you thought it was great and really enhancing your sexual pleasure? How did your partner know? How did your partner know that it was feeling good? And how did you respond to your partner knowing that it was feeling good? And how did your partner respond to you responding to your partner responding that it was feeling good? How did you, how did your partner <laughs> then respond to you responding to you responding to your partner responding to you responding to how you're feeling about this kiss like how did it emerge okay uh, between you okay 
notice also try to really bring to mind try to really go back to what was going on in your body and the different things that you were feeling again go back through a body scan for your whole body when it was feeling really really good when it was really enhancing your sexual pleasure what was happening what was happening in your body okay and then think about what was happening afterwards so you might have had some more sex after that or you might have just stopped kissing or whatever happened but after what was going on how did you how did you respond how did your partner know that that was a really enjoyable experience what could they see what could they hear what did you say how did they respond what could they see in your body what is it about what happened that really told them that this was really really enhancing your sexual pleasure that that kiss was really great okay what kinds of things could you notice what feelings could you notice and at that moment and how did you express those feelings and what did your partner say about those feelings how did those feelings emerge okay now you don't have to put a name to those feelings but the important thing here is what we're doing is we're paying attention to the exceptions okay so let's say disgust is a zero and that the enhancing a great kiss where your sexual pleasure is enhanced is a 10 you know what put you nearer a 10 what was that what were you doing instead what was emerging instead and i think one of the reasons why i'm such a fan of this way of thinking is that it's really much easier for us to pay attention to things that we can problematize it's really easy for us to pay attention to what is bad or what's gone wrong or what doesn't feel right or what as you say is wrong strange difficult but it's much harder to pay attention to what feels right lovely and easy okay because we're not supposed to pay attention to those things because those things are just magically meant to happen it's as if our it's the, as if the accepted state of being human is that our normal baseline should be that everything is really right comfortable easy and that anything that isn't that is the thing that which is wrong but actually we're constantly doing things that are making things right comfortable and easy so what are we doing to make those things right comfortable and easy what are the processes that we're putting in place there isn't it's there's nothing imminent about us as humans that is making us feel those things we are doing things that make us feel those things and when we do those things what else is that doing what else does that lead to? What other kinds of feelings, experiences, uh, thoughts, actions, stories, uh, feelings in our body? What kinds of emotions might we be feeling? What else does it do? How does our partner help us to experience those? In what ways is our partner experiencing those with us? How might other people be helping us to experience these things too? We're constantly doing things that we... that that don't feel like problems that feel like we're having a good time but we're just not paying attention to them okay so the key with solution focused therapy is we pay attention to those times where it feels good and by that way we're paying attention to the resources that we do have rather than the deficits rather than the things that we don't have okay the other thing about this as well is that you said my question is about changing feelings of disgust in sexual contexts. My sense of disgust can change rapidly depending on the context. Now, I'm assuming that your sense of disgust that you've noticed changing is going from a non-disgusted place to a disgusted place. 
that you can be feeling, okay, well, this is feeling okay, and then suddenly, oof, bang, almost. Like, now I feel disgusted. It can change quite rapidly. Now, you might not have been thinking that way, but maybe you have been thinking that way because we're all programmed to notice, to think that way because we're programmed to think about, we're not programmed, well, uh, I don't want to get into that, but we're, <laughs> we're kind of told to think about our problems and to, told to focus on our problems in that way. But the fact that your, your, your feelings can change rapidly depending on the context means that they can change the other way as well, Right? And so this is the really, really crucial thing is that not only have you had this experience of kissing where it felt great and really enhanced your sexual pleasure, but you've also felt that knowing that it can change rapidly and remembering it can change rapidly in the other direction is super useful. So again, thinking of a kind of a solutions-focused approach and thinking about this kind of Spinozan approach of the like affect, let's say... Let's say that you do feel disgusted, and let's say that we can't have it's very hard to have any control over feeling disgusted. Okay. But what we can do is to notice when we become less conscious of disgust and more conscious of something else. So what's that moment? What's that that first first sign of you becoming conscious of something else that isn't disgust, that might be pleasurable, that might feel nice, that's something that might feel um right uh, comfortable easy instead of wrong strange difficult what's that very first sign of having this increased capacity to uh, enjoy your body and to enjoy being with your partner the tiniest 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 sign and can you welcome that in and allow for that for the consciousness of that moment to come through and to be more conscious of that okay understanding that you know that you can that you can move from one state to the other and that you can encourage that and you can notice everything else and how your partner responds and how you respond to your partner and what's happening in your body and how you relate and how your relationship with your body is helping new feelings to emerge more pleasurable feelings and that you're relating this to what you to what you believe to be erotic and how um to previous erotic uh, situations or sexy stories or fantasies or ideas or thoughts you might be having and which uh, resulting in you doing things that might feel really sexy or might feel really arousing for both of you and then how that might also affect your body in positive ways how it might help you to feel more joyful that you might have a sense of more the key phrase and the key phrase in solution focused therapy is what's better and what else so what's better what else what's better what else okay and that kind of thing can really really help and this is what i do with clients um particularly if they come back for a second session like the second session is always okay what was better and what were you pleased to notice and what else so I think this of just really paying attention to a moment of disgust going away and another feeling coming in its place and just noticing how rapid that can be and that sometimes all you need to do is you might just need to say to yourself I'm noticing having the feeling that I'm feeling disgusted but I also know from chatting with Justin that that feeling can go away really quickly it can change really quickly okay now I'm not trying to convince you that you need to be that that you should just go that you just 
you should just snog again. And I'm certainly not trying to convince you to licking your partner's genitals and to not feeling repelled by your partner's genitals. It's fine not to want those things, I I think. Uh, I actually think you're, you're less likely to be repelled about them if there are fewer stories about how you should be doing them and how it's part of a, a menu that you really have to be doing because you're in a relationship, I think that actually we're just better off thinking, okay, well, if these things are off the table for now, fine. I can just leave them off the table and that's fine. And it sounds like your partner's really, really understanding. In fact, you say your partner's really understanding. But say, by the way, you say, luckily, my partner is really understanding. That's not luck okay you're both doing things to make that happen okay you are creating this you are creating you're both involved in mutually creating a sense of understanding okay because you're able you've been able to talk about it you've been able to notice it and you're trying to figure out ways to do it better and you've written to me about it so you know you're trying to do something you're you're trying to find out what's better and you're trying to hold on to a thread of knowing what's better and this is the other thing is that you've you've emailed me this question because you know that there's an answer there for you somewhere okay uh and it's right there in your question and it's beautiful to see so i'm not saying just train your body into learning how to kiss but just what i'm saying is just can you just gently notice a time when you can when can you just start to notice the that first moment when disgust goes away and something else comes in its place and you might notice this in non-sexual contexts you know, and I think it's really useful to start thinking about these things in non-sexual contexts too. You might not feel disgust in non-sexual contexts context as much, but can you notice in a non-sexual context a time when you really just start to feel those moments of joy about something? And can you really notice it and notice how other people respond to you and how you respond to them and how they respond back and what you notice in your body and what they can see about you that tells them you're experiencing joy. These very first moments. And I think that's probably all my advice. Um, dear listener, if you are the person who wrote in with this question, you didn't leave an email address. If you are this person and you'd like a free session with me where we do this solution-focused kind of coaching, uh send me another message with your email and uh, we can make that happen via zoom and if you want to bring your partner and talk about it as well we can make that happen um as a thank you for you sending in your question and me being able to make some content out of it so um please do get in touch if you would like uh, a session with me uh Dear everyone else who isn't that listener who sent their questions in please do send your questions in i hope you find this helpful um and if you would like a coaching session head to my website justinhancock.co.uk you'll see my coaching page there um but also you might find some of the uh, resources useful at the patreon so patreon.com forward slash culture sex relationships where i have uh my 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 loyal team of patrons who fund the show and fund me to do this um there's some zine content there for you some readings that i've done a few uh extras here and there of different audio content uh, check it out from just a pound a month um if everyone who listened to the show gave me a pound a month it would be a part-time job for me simple as that so and then i'd be able to make more content but if you can't because i also know uh, a lot of us are feeling really skint at the moment that's also fine i hope you really enjoyed the show if you can share it with someone else even better uh, if not just enjoy the show keep listening and i'll keep trying to make content if you keep listening uh, 
Uh, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it and have a great weekend. Bye.